Everybody likes beer, right? I mean, who doesn't like beer? In this episode, I'm going to talk to the owner of the beer station, and you're going to hear some incredible entrepreneurial lessons, maybe over a beer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is John Couture. He is the owner-founder of Beer Station, the Midwest's first craft beer tasting bar and get this, bottle shop all at the same time. So I know I talk to a lot of authors and uh, you you hear me uh, interview folks that have books. Today we're going to talk about beer. Um, and probably not long after I finish this, I'm going to go have a beer at Beer Station. It happens to be in my town in Kansas City, Missouri. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, let me ask you this. What is it like being the first in a category, you know, the Midwest first craft beer based tasting bar and bottle shop. Uh, did you have to knock a few doors down to actually make it happen? Uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, number one, we, we, we didn't have any resources to start up. I don't come from a lot of means. So it was a lot of scratching and clawing and uh, definitely bootstrapping to get this thing started. But yeah, it kind of it was an opportunity that I know that I, I wasn't a video, I was a video producer, but I wanted to get into beer. I love beer, and it was a, definitely a growing industry. And the closest could be a recession-proof craft beer is. <laughs> it's kind of an affordable luxury for folks. Um, so my business partner and best friend and I uh, kind of um, always kind of like had a handshake agreement if we ever found a concept uh, that we thought could work. We kind of agreed to go into business together and just doing some research online I saw this huge trend on the coasts especially for this blended concept called a tasting bar bottle shop. It's like a imagine a, a package store across with your favorite local pub. Right. So food, taps, but you can also take you know, find something on tap you like and take it to go. Um, so it was uh it from there we just kind of dove in and it was kind of like what the hell life is short kind of thing. Um, but it took about two and a half years to develop and we actually had to change a local liquor law in Kansas City because it wasn't allowed um, at the time and but we thought just the, the possibility of being first to market in the Midwest with this concept was too good to pass up so we jumped into it. So you, you had actually seen other people doing it so it wasn't a completely original idea but you had to actually make it happen and it was the first time anybody had done it in Missouri. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we, the closest thing we could see to us was in Louisville, Kentucky, of all places. Huh, okay. um, you know, there's there's nothing else in the Midwest like it. There wasn't at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we thought just, you know, it was on the coast and in a few other areas, but not a whole lot around, the, and nothing in the Midwest. So so do you now have competitors? I mean, have, have you sort of impacted the whole industry? You know, the interesting thing is we there's, there was one place that opened in Westport uh, called Bridgers that was just like us. And we were very friendly with them and supportive of them, but I just think they were in a bad location mm. um, for, like, walk-up traffic for package, especially. Oh, right. And it, it was just too congested, and they didn't survive. But I know that, like, Lucas Wicker just opened up this gigantic, like, expansion with TAPS as well on their uh, Missouri side oh. location. So that's kind of the first new one that's, like, it's like the... Uh, Sam's Club version of us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
what part of it's gone better than you thought it would? I have to say it's it's really took off. I, I'm fortunate to say that that um, you know our first year sales were about double what we projected, and hmm. um, we've pretty much gone up every every year since then. We had a little bit of a third year lag. Um, it was nothing bad, but just you know. But then we kind of redid some things and added some new things, and we were really, really the last half of last year was just gangbusters for us. Um, so I mean, really, it's gone better than I expected. I expected that you know, the people would be harder to deal with. You know, we'd have to cut a lot more people off and be angry people. But by and large, a lot of those those fears haven't really materialized. Most of the people are really respond. You've probably seen me been here. It's like. People don't come here to get, you know, over and buy. People right. just come here to enjoy beer by and large. So, I mean, I'm very, I, I feel very fortunate where we're at right now. Yeah, and, you know, you're, you're serving some of that, like, 12% alcohol beer. So, you know, the potential's there, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think people want to get that. <laughs> exactly. Not, you're not going to have a fun next day if you do that. Yeah, and, and actually that's one of the things that people would note that, you know, not late at night necessarily, but, you know, on Saturday afternoon there'll be plenty of people in there with their kids, won't there? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, does your audience know about how long I've known your family? <laughs> no, that's a that's a, a rather interesting thing. Uh, so, so uh, John used to work at a video rental store. Remember those those uh, square or rectangular plastic tapes that we used to jam into machines <laughs> and and watch uh, our favorite movie? Well, we used to go up to this little uh, SRO video. And yep. rent movies from John and John was always, you know, you have that was back in the day when you didn't have Google to ask, and so you'd have to ask the guy behind the counter, "What's a good movie?" You know, and and you always, you know, you asked Sue Ann, and you were a little worried about what she was going to suggest. But John, you know, he, he he knew our family taste, and so we'd always get good recommendations. So, how old were you then? That was that was high school and into college. So yeah, I was thinking about that before interview, and I, that was over twenty five years ago. I can't believe it, but it's. Uh, yeah, that was a goatee slacker '90s John. So. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was great. You you could watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off anytime you wanted. Yeah, yeah. You know, we still have I think three SRO former staff members on our staff here. I told you that once. We at one point we had about five. Yeah. A couple of people moved on, but it's pretty cool. We kind of kind of our, our little piece of SRO history is still in here. That's so, funny. Anyhow. Um, and just, you know, three blocks away from where you were, uh, just about two. So, I know. Yeah, which is even great. Yeah. So so let me ask the flip side of that. Um, things have gone better than you want, or than you thought. Not better than you want, but better than you thought. What's been harder than you thought? You know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can uh, can have gone through the same experiences where it's just like paperwork. I mean, <laughs> right. I spend so much, I'm sure you realize this too, it's just there's so much time doing office work. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm not behind the bar as much as I'd like just because it's so, I mean, we now own our building here and our next door neighbor, we have a tenant. So now I'm a landlord and just there's more and more stuff. I'm not complaining, but it's just. Yeah. But that's not I, the joyful part. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, there's so many licenses you have yeah, to renew yeah, yeah. and there's just, there's all sorts of it, trash doesn't get picked up, you know. Not quite as sexy as people would imagine uh, bar ownership to be, I think, in many ways. So when, when you and your uh, partner started out, did you create a formal business plan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, Kansas City is very fortunate to have some amazing entrepreneurial resources, including um, I went through something called the uh, 
UEP, so Coffin Foundation with mm. Urban Entrepreneur Program. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't think it's around anymore, but uh, in that, that one capacity of Coffin, but I was paired with a business coach who had a history with my industry, hmm. and it really helped yeah. galvanize our idea. So we, we, we formulated a business plan over about a year through her, and it really, and I'm really proud of the, what we came up with, and I think it really helped sell people on our idea. So what's some... Um you know, people are coming in the door. Um, is that just because people came and they told their friends or have there been some marketing tactics that have uh, generated interest to date? Well, you know, we spend very, very, very little on marketing. I think that a big part of that is that um, the industry we are in, it's not like a dollar store where you have to ask, you know, the people come as a necessity. People want to know about craft beer. Yeah. Um, so we started really early on about a Six months before we opened, we created a Facebook page. We started getting, you know, we had about a thousand people who already liked us before we opened. And we engaged people in ways to make them feel, provide some sense of ownership. Uh, for instance, because we had limited means, we uh, asked people to donate wood they weren't using to create our bar and our furniture. Huh. <laughs> um, and so, so we had people pulling up in pickup trucks and donating. And so people come in now. And they're like looking, sitting at the bar, and they look at the, they're like, that's my picket wood behind the bar. Um, and we, what we found was we got a lot more attraction by just trying to engage people personally than, you know, the typical, hey, we're opening big print ad splashes. Um, and so we spend most of our advertising on uh, Facebook posts, boosting Facebook posts, and more strategic stuff than you know, the usual putting a print ad here, putting yeah. a radio spot there kind of thing. But we did some of it. <laughs> so do you um, do you have to turn away the craft beer snobs that are now out there, or uh, do you let them come in too? No. <laughs> We're, I, I think our, I would say our um, our reputation is that everybody's welcome here. I mean, <laughs> that, that, sounds, it, 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 that really does sound like, oh, that sounds like a typical corporate thing. But people, I think that we're, we're pretty well known in the community because our our bartenders, and that's what you've seen, that are pretty personable people, yeah. and they're not judgmental. Um, I mean, there are some people that are difficult to deal with, but it's a lot less than I... It's, it's pretty few and far between. Most people are really laid back in this industry. I mean, they're just... They're, happy, they're drinking beer. They're happy, you know? <laughs> Exactly. So... <laughs> One of the things a lot of entrepreneurs tell me is the hardest part, especially if they had an idea and they launched it and it grew and they had to hire people and more people. Um, and a lot of people tell me that's actually the hardest part for them. Um, and, and of yeah. course, you're in a notoriously high turnover uh, industry, you know, uh, bartenders and, and servers and cooks and things. Um, how do you feel about your ability to manage people and attract people and keep people? Well, I mean, I'm not shy about saying I'm a fairly progressive-minded guy, and I buck some trends by paying people better because I want people to have a... I'm not in this to get rich. I want to have a great environment. I'm, I want my family to be comfortable, but we have, we have a... Considering what a lot of industry folks experience, we have really low turnover. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to add on with what we do by... You know, we pay a higher base salary or base wage than a lot of places do. The tips are pretty good, too, so I think people make a pretty good living, and we're always looking for ways to keep people even longer um, if we can. So I think it is staffing is always a challenge, but I feel so great about who we have now. We've got an amazing staff across the board. I mean that. And uh, um, it's very important. It is a lot of work, but if you find the right people that are out there, um, and it really pays off, I'd much rather 
pay people a little bit more and for them to be happy going home and staying here longer than having disgruntled people and more turnover. It's way more. It's just, it's just a good way to operate. It's yeah. just business karma. And I think that one of the things that a bar certainly benefits from is that your patrons get kind of used to those people and like those people and become friends with those people and expect them to be there. So mm-hmm. the, the longer you can keep them, it probably, uh, it probably has a bottom line um, impact as well. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is a lot of our turnover is people getting jobs in the industry. I mean, we're jokingly uh-huh. call ourselves like a triple AAA, AAA farmhouse for the farm club for the uh, beer industry. So we've had people move on to work for breweries, to brew, to work for distributors, to um, we'll do a little bit of everything in the industry. We reps for companies, and so I, you know, I love it. I still get to work with a lot of them, which is great. So... Well, it works out well for everybody. Well, it brings up a question I was going to ask. Um, you know, a lot of times when, particularly if somebody's kind of new or doing something new, I mean, do you get requests from people in other parts of the country saying, hey, can you teach us how you did this? Yeah, I've actually talked to quite a few people, um, boy, 15 or 20 different people who have, you know, said they wanted to start. And I'm always really open about sure. it. People help me. I, when I was starting this, I talked to people in Portland, Decatur, Georgia. Um, and they volunteered hours of the time to go over even even sharing some of their finances, well, you know, and, yeah. and startup costs. Yeah. And I firmly believe in giving back to people, and I've never hesitated to you know, help people as much as I can who are thinking about doing this. Um, as long as it's not across the street for me, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm very cool about it. You know, as long as that's which you know, not going to happen. So. So, so what do you track? I mean, are there certain metrics? Obviously, people coming in and out of the door. You can look at the daily, you know, cash register ring. But are there other things that you track to, to, to pay attention to to say, hey, we're we're getting a little off course here, or we're you know right on schedule. You know, beyond, I mean, honestly, this is our. We just finished our fourth year, which is amazing. Crazy, it's been four years, yeah. but. Um, we're just trying to get all the little things straight. Like, you know, we've really worked on food costs the last year. All mm. those like things that aren't as fun to deal with, but really important to the business. Um, we track a lot of our, our, our packages we're working on. Um, it's kind of tricky because honestly, the POS systems that are available, and I'm not going to get at the weeds with this, but yeah. our concept is so unusual that it's, we've had a really hard time finding something that works for both the hospitality side and the package side. Uh, uh, yeah. So we're, we're, we're a lot better about tracking our pegs than they are a package beer sales, but we can kind of see what what moves pretty pretty easily from a visual examination of the wall. Yeah. And our, we do have sales reports, but that's one thing, one of my goals for the next year or two is to get more into that. So how would you characterize uh, your growth? And again, don't share anything you're not comfortable sharing, but I do think it um, can be inspirational, I think, for people to hear, yeah, I did this and, you know, 30% year over year. Um, is there a way that you would talk about how your bottom line growth has been? Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know, like, I think our second year, you know, the first year we did about double our initial projections. And then I think the next year we probably were up about 10%. That was our second year. Then our third year was up another about 10%, 15%. And then our fourth year the first half was like at or down a tad bit and then the second half was just was really really great so once we did them we added a lot more food menu items mm. we added a brand new patio so um we definitely are on the upswing overall great so uh people can find uh, obviously in kansas city missouri can check you out at uh on gregory at uh, the beer station one what's at 120 west or something or east 
Yeah, uh, Gregory. Gregory, um, is is there, are there some online places that people could learn more about you? Yeah, I mean, our website, we've got uh, we've got a pretty extensive website that's got more information. It's beerstation.com, and it's B-I-E-R. Everybody gets, a lot of people get that wrong, but... Uh, well, that's because you spelled it wrong, that's why. I know, everybody spelled it wrong. <laughs> okay. uh, there's one, actually, there's one other thing. Can I, can I add one thing? You betcha. You betcha. So, one thing that I have found that it seems like works really well for us, and I'm surprised more people don't do it, is to really let their customers help guide their decisions in some way. Not giving them the keys to the door, but, you know, people have really appreciated the fact that when we made some major changes, you know, we bought our building, for instance. We did a lot of renovations. And we went on Facebook and we asked people, like, hey, what do you want to see? How do you want to see us grow? Mm-hmm. Um, what exactly do you want to see? And that we kind of ranked our improvements a, lot, a large part by what people responded. We had, like, 2,000 people respond. Oh, wow. Um, and that was kind of how we decided everybody wanted a patio because we had tons of dog walkers, so uh-huh. we had a patio. And everybody wanted more food because we had a limited food menu, so we expanded that. But, you know, a lot of people just kind of guess. And I, I have found that people really appreciate it and say, thank you for actually asking us. And really, they can really feel like they can contribute, you know. Uh-huh. And I think that's something I wish more companies would do. Well, and I think, you know, you, you think about, okay, yeah, beer, uh, a, a beer garden, you know, they make suggestions. But I, I think that applies to any kind of business. I mean, I, I really appreciate it. And I see a lot of, you know, online retailers doing <clears throat> a similar thing or even like building out new products and courses and things online with the input of their customers rather than just trying to guess. I mean, you, you could have built that incredible deck out there and nobody used it. And, and you know, so, so I think it's also on top of the them appreciating you asking, I think it helps you make better and more informed decisions, doesn't it? No, it, it definitely works both ways, but I think a lot of people just don't. Yeah. I think there might be more research, but I don't know. I, I, like, I've i never heard of bars or breweries asking about, like, hey, tell us what beers you want us to brew. I mean, that just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, and I think that'd be pretty cool if people did a little bit more of that. They're probably just afraid that people say something they don't want to hear. Well. But, uh, you know, you, you don't have to do it. You can ask them, you know, you don't, you're not bound to do it. Yeah. You just ask. Yeah, that is probably true. Sometimes they're afraid what they might hear. <laughs> so, well, John, thank yeah. you so much. This was fun uh, catching up. And uh, if you're in Kansas City, uh, even if you're not in Kansas City, check out the beer station. But certainly if you're in Kansas City, check out the beer station. And, John, maybe I'll see you later today. Yeah, you just might. I mean, I can practically see your office while we're talking here. So I have a feeling I'll probably see you pretty soon. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. 
I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.